Good morning, good morning. We're glad you are here today for those here in the sanctuary and if any are uh, throughout the church, we welcome you this morning and everyone who's tuned in with us this morning, we indeed welcome you to worship with us at Church of the Atonement. My name is Terrence Little, I am the associate pastor here, Pastor Ryan is away today and we pray that he and his family are doing well. We've been given the privilege and the opportunity to come today to worship the Lord our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So as we begin, I'm going to invite you all to stand for the call to worship. In the Old Testament, oftentimes the people of God stood when the word was read. And even in the early church, they would stand while the preaching went on. This morning we stand in reverence of God Almighty. Hear now the call to worship from Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Brothers and sisters, you may be seated. Let us go now to worship the Lord our God. For the last several weeks, I've had the privilege, like you, uh, to hear the preaching and teaching of the opening of the book of Acts. Um, One thing has really struck me in particular about the first few chapters of Acts, and that is uh, the uh, fact that it's so apparent that the apostles and the disciples had changed lives um, and that they could not have accomplished uh, anything that they did and, and just as importantly in the way they, they accomplished it without those changed lives. And so a, a song came to my mind uh, that is about uh, a life changed. It's not a, a congregational praise song per se, um, but I, I offer it to you now as a, a musical testimony on behalf of anyone who has had their life changed uh, by virtue of coming to know Jesus. This song is uh, called Man of the Tombs, and it's about the Genazarene, uh, demoniac, uh, as recorded in the, in the first three Gospels. Man of the tombs, he lives in a place where no one goes, and he tears at himself. Lives with a pain that no one knows. He counts himself dead among the living. He knows no mercy and no forgiving. Deep in the night, he's driven to cry out loud. Can you hear him cry out loud? Man of the tombs, possessed by an unseen enemy, he breaks every chain and mistakes his freedom for being free. Shame and shamelessness equally there. Like a random toss of a coin in the air 
tombs He's driven to cry out loud Underneath this thing that I've become A fading memory of flesh and blood I curse the womb, I bless the grave I've lost my heart, I cannot be saved Like those who fear me, I'm afraid Like those I've hurt, I can feel pain Take it now before my sin And these stones that cut against my skin Some try to touch me, but no one can For man of the tombs I am Down at the shoreline Two sets of footprints meet One voice is screaming Other voice begins to speak In only a moment and only a word The evil departs like a thundering herd Man of the tombs, he hears this cry out loud Underneath this thing that you've become I see a man of flesh and blood I give you life beyond the grave I kill your heart, I come to save No need to fear, be not afraid This man of sorrows knows your pain I come to take away your sin And bear its marks upon my skin When no one can touch you Still I can For Son of God I am Dress now and seated Clean in spirit and healthy of mind Man of the tombs He begs to follow but must stay behind He returned to his family with stories to tell Of mercy and madness of heaven and hell Man of the tombs Soon he will cry out loud Underneath this thing that I once was Now I'm a man of flesh and blood I have a life beyond the grave i found my heart and I have been saved No need to fear, I am not afraid This man of sorrows took my pain He comes to take away our sin And bear its marks upon his skin 
I'm telling you this story because man of the tombs I was man of the tombs I was Amen Amen We come now to pray, and I invite you all to bow before the Lord. Take a moment, and you talk with the Lord, and then I shall pray for us a prayer of confession. Let's bow together. Our Father and our God, you are our Lord and the only God who brought your people up out of the house of slavery, out of the house of bondage to sin, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we come to you and worship this morning, we confess, God, how we have broken your law, how we have walked out of the way of your instruction how we have missed the mark of your standard. Father, we have elevated our pride. We've been jealous. We have been unjustly angry. Father, we have blamed you for the difficult circumstances in our lives. We've loved sin. We've cherished that which is detrimental to our souls. Father, we have not believed you as we ought. We've not trusted you this very week as we should. Father, many are our offenses against you this day. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for sinning against you. Our greatest need is deliverance and transformation. We need a Savior. And you have provided Emmanuel, God with us, in the person and work of our King, our Savior, and our brother, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the life Jesus lived, the death he died, the resurrection of Christ, in order that sinners like us might have everlasting life with you. Oh God, we make this our confession in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. God's Word gives us assurance that our sins are indeed forgiven. That our shortcomings He has provided for through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I give you 
God's assurance of pardon from Isaiah and Romans. Come now, says, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, lawbreakers, Christ died for us, for you and for me. For if while we were, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, brought together to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, Shall we be saved by his life? Amen and amen. Children, children, we have children in our worship service this morning. We have children tuned in on the internet this morning. We may have some throughout the building. I'd like your attention for just a moment, children. I want to share just a little something with you this morning. This is important. Today's message, I gave the title, Essential Love. Essential Love. Pastor Ryan asked me earlier this week, now, how, Terrence, did you get that title for this passage of Scripture? I said, you'll have to tune in and see on Sunday. I gave it this name because the greatest mark of the church of Jesus Christ is love. The greatest mark of the church of Jesus Christ is love. Love, And that comes from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says, By this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. And that love is love defined by God alone. Love defined by God alone. In today's scripture passage for the message, we're going to look at Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through chapter 5, verse 11. But you're going to see there these great acts of love where the first century church gives. They're going to sell their houses. They're going to sell their property. And they're going to give to people in need. They're going to give. And why do they give? They give out of love. They give out of love for God and God's mission. And today, thinking about love, I wanted to share this with you. Now, children and adults alike, you know, I love to tell stories. You all know I love to tell stories. Though I've not been up here in a while, I still love to tell stories. Um, my grandparents, I loved both sides of the family. My maternal grandparents and my paternal grandparents loved them very dearly. And my paternal grandmother, my dad's mom, when I was a little boy, now this is what I'm getting ready to show you I have had since I was like y'all's age, like your age, Eddie, from a little, little kid. <laughs> my Mama Lucy, my dad's mother, I called her Mama Lou. Mama Lou made these for every grandchild that she had. Um, when I was in North Carolina in June, my mom and my brother and I, we were cleaning out old stuff 
And we found this <laughs> in my, uh, this right here. Let me take it out. This. It's a heart, a velvet heart with my name on it, Terrence. I've had this since I literally was a little, little kid. And my mom, she said, oh, she said, these are the pillows that Lucy made for all the grandkids. And uh, my brother, she said, do you, want, do you want these? And my brother, he took his and he chucked it. I said, I want mine. <laughs> I brought it up here from North Carolina. And I, by the Lord's grace, as long as he lets me keep a good sound mind, I'm going to keep this until he calls me into eternity. Mama Lucy gave this to me. As a sign of her love, she gave. I wanted to share that with you this morning. Children, your families, they love you and they give to you greater than anybody other than God in this world. The church is to give also. And today that's what we're going to look at. Today we look at Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through chapter 5, verse 11. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through chapter 5, verse 11. From the subject, essential love. Hear now the word of God. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold? Did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. 
After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, to Sapphira, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who carried out, who, who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Let's pray together. Almighty God and our Heavenly Father, here is your word. Father, we pray that you would give light. Holy Spirit, give us light. Give us understanding. Change us in order, God, that when we leave from here, when we leave our homes for those tuned in and go out into the world this week, we will be changed people. People will know that we belong to Christ. Your word does not return to you void. It accomplishes all you send it out to do. This we expect for this day, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you were asked, what does it mean to be a healthy person? You, you know the typical answer to give, don't you? You exercise, you, you eat right. You know, being healthy, of course, is the opposite of being ill, the opposite of being sick. You eat your fruits and your vegetables. You don't watch too much television. You take time to read and to think, you know, to be sociable, to be around people. But how would you answer if I asked you, what is a healthy church? What is a healthy church? You might think it's an easy answer, but I would... I would submit it's not that easy. It's not that easy. In the light of current events all over the world in our day, I think it's even more difficult to answer the question, what is a healthy church? Especially as you have people all over putting their own definitions on things. Well, we should be doing this. We are this. We should be doing that. We are that. The series that Pastor Ryan is working us through, we're working through, is Essential Church. Essential Church. Essential Church is a healthy church. And a healthy church is Essential Church. And I don't just mean the church building, I mean the people of the Lord. This series seeks to answer that question by looking back very closely at the book of Acts, at the first century church. In fact, again and again throughout Acts, we are given snippets of what a healthy church looks like and how it behaves. And today I want to give you six observations that we get from our passage today about essential church. And as we go through keep, when you think essential church, think healthy church, for the two are one. Number one, essential church reminds us God forms His church. 
God forms His church. God forms His people by His Word and His Spirit. God forms His people, His church, by His Word and His Spirit. We look at Acts chapter 4, verse 33, and here we see the mission of Jesus Christ successfully continuing. Successfully continuing through the obedience of the apostles. They are witnessing to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Well, what does that mean, Terrence? It means the apostles are preaching and they are teaching. They're taking time to explain to people about the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ. And why it is absolutely crucial For them in this life and the life to come. The apostles are in Jerusalem fulfilling, doing what Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. What did he say? He says, but you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem. And in Judea. And in Samaria. And to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I love to say this because it's absolutely true. And it's why we're gathered here today. It's why we're tuned in today because the apostles were faithful. They were obedient to the call of God in Christ to them to be His witnesses until He returns. As people hear their message and their teaching, men and women, boys and girls, they turn to Jesus. They believe in Jesus. They trust in Jesus. You trusting that these pews are going to hold you up, right? (laughs) They trusted in Jesus the same way. They trusted in Him. They trusted Him to be the Son of God, the Son of Man, and the Savior of the world. And this is the work of God's grace. You see there in that text it says, And great grace was upon them all. Because God was forming His people through the obedience of His men and sharing and teaching and preaching the Word and the church doing the same. The church, you all, is made up of people who believe in Jesus Christ. You say, Terrence, that's very simple. We know that. Amen. But I want to reemphasize it. The church is made up of people who believe in Jesus Christ. Verse 32 says, the full number, the full assembly, the full congregation, the full gathering of those who believed. These are they who trust that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who became a man, who offered up His life to God as the perfect sacrificial atonement for men, women, boys, and girls who continually miss the mark the standard of God's glory, which is me and it's you. We are always missing the mark of God's glory. These embrace this truth. God is angry with the wicked. God is angry with me, with Terrence today, with you also for my not perfectly and consistently living in obedience to God's instruction for human life. But God sent Jesus into the world to take care of that. 
for me and for you. Hallelujah. God sent Jesus to do what I cannot do and what you cannot do. The church is comprised of men, women, boys, and girls who believe that Jesus is the only Savior of mankind and that He is the King of the universe. God forms His people through His Word and His Spirit. As as we continue to go through Acts, there's going to be a, a phrase you'll see again and again that the Word of the Lord spread through Jerusalem, through Judea, through Samaria, and all the way to this day, to the ends of the earth. God forms His people through His Word and His Spirit. And interesting here, I like to remind people of this. I love to think over it. Just as God creates the universe, the earth, stars, by His Word and His Spirit, so He creates new men and women, boys and girls, by His Word and His Spirit in Jesus Christ. This leads to the second observation I want you to see this morning. The essential essential church consists of a transformed people. Essential church consists of a transformed people. We see this in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 35. Luke presents us with a picture of the first century church in Jerusalem. The great city of Jerusalem. And we see that there are distinctive marks to those who belong to Jesus. There are distinctive marks. In this passage in particular, I just choose four. Truth, unity, love, and mercy. Truth, unity, love, and mercy. The believers in Jesus are united. Well, how do you know that? Luke says, they were of one heart and one soul. They were in fellowship. They loved one another. We're going to get into that a little more. But they were together, not just physically, but they were of, they thought on the same wavelength. I'll say it that way. God's agenda had become their agenda. They are a unified people. In the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke illustrates a major, major observation here with the first century church. He says people who became believers in Jesus Christ began providing for the needs of those around them. People sold their property in order to help other people people, their house. Now, can you imagine your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your aunt, and your uncle, they sell their home. Let's say they own a number of homes. They sell two or three of those homes and bring that money and give to the Lord's people. We, we want to help out so-and-so. They weren't required to do this. But something in them causes them to want to give. What causes someone to act in such a way? Why were they concerned? Why did they take time to notice 
other people who were lacking essential life necessities? Why did they care? Why did they care? Because these were transformed people. These were transformed people. Our music director Luke sang a song about the Gerizim demoniac who was radically changed. Well, these were transformed people. The Apostle Peter writes in his first letter, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You've received what you did not deserve. Life, forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. These Jewish believers in the great city of Jerusalem here in Acts chapter 4 received mercy. For the people of Jerusalem, the temple sacrifices were not, was not enough to appease the righteous wrath of God. They were incapable of obeying the law of the Lord perfectly as God commands Jerusalem and the Gentiles, Acts says, put Jesus to death according to the plan and foreknowledge of God. Jesus died and he rose again so that lawbreakers, sinners like you and me, who, who, who live not in accordance to his word, might become sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. These in Jerusalem believed, and their hearts have been transformed. You know, one of the great illustrations of transformation, you know, the word metamorphosis. You all know the word metamorphosis. And one of the great lessons of transformation that I learned as a kid was the caterpillar, you know, spinning the, the uh, uh, I want to say the sarcophagus, whatever. He spun himself inside of a cocoon. <laughs> But when he emerges, he doesn't come out as a caterpillar, does he? He comes out as a butterfly. Radically beautiful. Radically different. Radically transformed. When the Spirit of God comes to live in you, when you believe in Jesus, he transforms you. You are a part of him now. You belong to God's people. Life now is not about, excuse me, Life now is not about you. Life is about God. I find my purpose now in God. God enables me to see the world through God's design. And I know that other people need Jesus. A heart transformation has happened. The early church here demonstrates mercy to those around them because they had been shown mercy. The apostles see to it that what's been given is appropriately distributed out to those in need. Well, here within this transformed people, we're given two examples of two types of givers. I call it two case studies, so to speak. <laughs> two case studies of two types of givers in the life of the local church. A number of people use this passage to preach about tithing in particular, but I wanted to focus on love because love is why they're giving. Love is why they are giving. Our two case studies are these. Joseph called Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Well, what's the point of the comparison? 
Why is Luke demonstrating this comparison? Well, he's illustrating the heart that gives out of love and the heart that gives out of deception. The heart that gives out of selfishness. As we go through here, you know, as you're reading uh, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, Luke gives a a concentrated yet um, a, a lot of information, a lot of details about this particular decision on the part of Ananias and Sapphira. We're going to come to them first, and then we'll go back to Barnabas a little later. They are, this couple is the subject of the third observation I want you to see. Essential church understands that God takes sin seriously. Essential church understands that God takes sin seriously. It's good to remember that the church on this side of eternity is not perfect. It's filled with broken people. I'm broken and you're broken. You say, now Terrence, you're the pastor. Yeah, I'm just as broken as you are. I stand in need of Jesus just as much as you do. Amen. At the feet of the cross, everyone is the same height. No one stands over anyone else. The church is made up of broken people who always need Jesus. Well, let's review Luke's account of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of their property. You know, they started doing like everybody else. But they did not give all of the proceeds to the apostles as the other people did. Now, you've got to remember, these people were not compelled. They weren't commanded to give anything. But out of love, they started giving And here's a couple who obviously is a part of the church, but they do something different. They keep back some money for themselves. They gave conditionally. They gave conditionally, and the condition was this. They were more concerned with their plans, their desires, their wants, than God's. God's mission was not central in them. They fed their selfishness. They came to the apostles and presented their half-hearted giving as if they had done a good thing. Ananias, I mean, he brings the money and he lays it at the apostles' feet. And Peter begins to question him about his motives. About his motives. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You've lied to God. You've lied to God. Though you come in here as if all is fine, you come on false pretenses. You come selfishly rather than with a spirit of worship. You all, the first century church was on the devil's agenda. First century church was on the devil's agenda. Jesus has come into the world. He's come to save. He comes to seek and to save the lost. Humanity lost apart from God, unreconciled to God, out of fellowship with God. He comes to right what happened badly in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of time. The devil hates God. You know, there's a television on 
It's a television show called Lucifer, I thought. I saw. I didn't watch the TV show. I just saw the advertisement. I said, oh, my goodness. People think the devil is good. The devil hates you. The devil hates God. He hates you, and he hates all of God's creation. And he wants God's creation to be destroyed. He wants you and I to live in rebellion to the Lord. He wants us not to be about Christ. In the first century church, the first century church, obeying what Jesus has commanded them to do, the devil persecutes them. They endure persecution from the religious leaders of their day. And here in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, the devil tries to infiltrate the church by people living for themselves. The church is always on the hit list of the powers of darkness because the church belongs to Jesus Christ. The church is the light of the world. I hope you never forget that. Church is the light of the world. Ananias and Sapphira followed the devil's temptation. You did not intend to give as these other believers have given. You do not have godly motives. And God knows it. God knows it. Ananias fell down dead. God judged him in that very instant. Isn't that something? Now, I'm not, I don't know if they were Christians or, or, or not. They may have been, but God judged in an instant to teach the church that God does not play with sin. God takes sin seriously, and he wants us to do the same. Sapphira comes to the apostles three hours after the death of her husband. She's unaware of what's happened. And Peter questions her. Did you sell the land for this amount? Yes. How is it? That you've agreed to test the Spirit of the Lord. Judgment is here. Judgment's now for you. The feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well. Luke says, Sapphira fell down dead. God judged her in that very instant. Great fear came upon the whole church. Can you imagine talking to someone who's in wonderful perfect health and all of a sudden they are gone no disease no cancer nothing like that gone because God judged everybody was afraid and rightfully so this church learned that God is serious about his people living for him the Lord does not want his people walking down the road to destruction. You know, that, that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. Walking down the road of wisdom. The road that leads to life. The first century church knew the powerful, holy presence of Almighty God. Sin is missing the mark of the standard of God's glory. You and I were made for God's glory. Did you know that? You're made to shine, brilliantly reflecting who God is in your life, in your home, on your job, wherever it is that you are. And often we miss the mark of that glory. We got a sin problem. We don't like to talk about it, but we do. And we need to talk about it. 
But God made Jesus to be sin for you and for me in order that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So that when you die, you can stand before God as one who is declared righteous because of the gift of Christ that God has given to you and to me. You know, today, today you might think, I, I can't bring my brokenness to the Lord. I, I, I've done, my, my deeds have been too, too wicked. I've done things I never should have done. God won't forgive that. Well, that's why Jesus came. And I think we often forget Jesus came. He says, I came to seek and to save the lost. He came for what is broken. He came for the sick. And I don't mean just, uh, uh, the scriptures, he doesn't mean in particular illness, physical illness. He means the soul that is in rebellion to God. It's out of fellowship with God. He came for broken people. And today, he calls you and I, if we are engaged in any particular sin, he says, come, turn away from that and turn to me. Amen. Amen. Why? Christ wants you to have the transformed life. Jesus wants you to have the transformed life. This leads to the fourth observation. Essential church consists of a transformed life. Essential church consists of a transformed life. We see this in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. We turn back to Barnabas. His given name is Joseph. He is a Levite. You know who else was a Levite in the Old Testament, right? Moses was a Levite and Aaron. They were Levites. He was a native of Cyprus. The, the apostles give him a nickname. You know, in my family, most everybody has a nickname. I have a nickname. Some of you know it. I won't repeat it right now. Um, but everybody, <laughs> most people have nicknames. And actually, I love to give people nicknames too. But the, the apostles give him a nickname, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas. He's a man who encourages others. Barnabas lives a different life. He sells a field that he owns. He brings the money and he places it at the apostles' feet. Why? Why? Why did Barnabas sell his possession? Why did he bring that money to the apostles? Because he believes in Jesus. He believes in Jesus' mission. He wants to help the newly formed church of the Lord Jesus at Jerusalem. He gives lovingly. He gives generously to God. Here I will talk about tithing a little. Often you think, you know, what am I giving to? You're giving to God. You're giving to God's ministry. And my prayer is that we use that wisely in the work of worship and discipleship. You know, Barnabas uh, the rest of Acts will talk about him because he becomes a partner in ministry with the Apostle Paul. And they go to places where the gospel has not been named. He's all in is the point. He's not half-hearted. He's all in. He has been transformed from the inside out. He gives to his Lord. He gives to his Lord because he loves Jesus. He's been 
changed. His life is different. Now Barnabas lives for the things of God. A heart transformation had occurred with Barnabas, as well as the people in verses 32 to 35. Their desires are different. Their actions are different. Their thinking has changed. God now lives in their hearts. God's agenda is now their agenda. Amen. God's agenda is now their mission. This leads to the fifth observation I want you to see. Essential church is about the worship of God and the mission of God. Essential church is about the worship of God and the mission of God. I didn't write this down, but I'm going to say it. Know this. The fruit of ministry in your life is only as rich as your worship of the Lord. Amen, Brother Little. My dad used to say that. Amen, Brother Little. Your communion with God, brothers and sisters, is very important. It is important when we gather, but it's also important when you are with the Lord at your home. When you meet with the Lord. When you study His Word. When you pray for the fuel of mission comes from worshiping the Lord. He empowers you to tell others about Jesus. Acts demonstrates this over and over again. As, as we go through the book of Acts, you're going to see this phrase spoken again and again, and the word of the Lord spread. The word of the Lord spread. Why? Healthy church is the essential church. The healthy church loves the Scripture. The healthy church loves the Scripture. A healthy church walks with Christ through the Spirit of God. A healthy church seeks God in prayer. A healthy church introduces other people to King Jesus, the only one who can rescue broken sinners like you and me. And you see that in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47. Pastor Ryan preached on that a few Sundays ago. What did the early church continue in? They continued in the apostles' teaching. What were they teaching? The Scriptures. Jesus says to the apostles in Matthew chapter 28, He says, you know, He he gives what we call the Great Commission, and then He says, teach them, all nations, everything that I have commanded you. Amen. Number six, got to move quickly. Essential church loves what God loves and thus fulfills God's worship and mission. Essential church loves what God loves and thus fulfills God's worship and mission. Believers in Jesus love. Now, they don't love according to the various definitions going across our culture and on television. They love according to God's definition of love. I I didn't say this in the earlier service, but I'm going to say it now. You all, please know this. Anytime you see people giving, explaining what they think this particular subject's about, this or that, they're giving you a definition of what they think the way things ought to be. And I want you to remember this. Whoever sets the definition controls the narrative. Whoever sets the definition controls the narrative. This is why the church 
is the light of the world. The narrative in the world apart from Christ is anti-God. People need the very God they reject. When you want to know what love is, go to sacred scripture and read about God sending his son to become one of us. Enemies of God. So that we can live with him forever. As you, as you, this is not a part of this. I didn't mean for this to be, but this, I got to say this to you. As you go out into the world, <laughs> you go with the Christian worldview. You go with God's mission, with God's agenda. No, you're not going to be liked, but God will save some of those very people who are now in darkness. He'll bring the light. Hallelujah. Through the gospel in you. But if you don't know the gospel, you can't help them. That's why the church, a healthy church, Loves the scriptures. Amen. You're a little quiet on me this morning. That's all right. Essential church loves what God loves and thus fulfills God's worship and mission. Believers in Jesus love and they love according to the word of God. Matthew chapter 22 and verses 37 to 39. The Lord Jesus says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and, a second, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's not a selfish love, you all. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, God comes to live in you, in your heart. His love enters your heart. His love will revolutionize your life and also the lives of others. You'll have the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You'll have love for God's people, the church, disciples, believers in Jesus. You'll have love for people who do not know Jesus. They won't just get on your nerves. They won't just be the culture out there. They'll be people who stand desperately in need of life. God wants his love demonstrated in you, in me, and atonement in all the churches for all those who are tuned in with us today. God wants his love demonstrated in you. All you who call in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You all, we live in an odd time. We live in an odd time. We, we, we've had to stay at home due to a new and deadly illness. Our jobs have been affected. Our lifestyles have been shaken. We've dealt with isolation. We've had to experience broken dreams. Some of us have had loved ones who have gone on. They've passed away. We've been confronted with dashed expectations. We've dealt with frustration with not being able to do what we want to do. Our church in particular, I'm going to localize this with us now. Our church in particular is also going through a pretty major transition in this larger transition that's going on in our world. We have a new pastor. We've got to learn how to do church with him, right? That means things are going to be different. Things are going to be new. But I say that for this reason. You know, this church has been a very, very busy church. 
doing lots and lots of things. And now that we've had to have some time to sort of chill out, I'll set that away, <laughs> not be as busy. There's some rumblings among the people. Oh, we should be doing this. We should be doing this. We should be doing this. Do you want me to tell you what you need to be doing? Loving God. Knowing God. Walking with God. Every day. How do we deal with what's going on in the culture? Love God. The Bible hasn't changed, has it? No. We're not caught by surprise, you all. God's mission has never changed. Throughout the ages of time, we are called to love God, to know God, to love each other, and to love the lost. You'll be doing that until you go into eternity, and the church will be doing that until Jesus returns. Amen, Brother Little. Amen, Brother Little. Don't let what's going on around you shake you to your core. The scripture teaches us that God reigns and whatever happens is a part of God's plan and God will walk with us through dark and stormy waters until we arrive on the other side. At this time, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, God wants atonement to be a healthy church. While we navigate these days, God reigns over all and he's, it's very important for us to remember we're called to love God as he's taught us to love. The first century church teaches us to walk with God while we are scattered and when we gather together, like today, whether it be in here or online. And we do pray that soon we'll all gather together again. We'll take, be able to take the masks off and we'll be able to sing again. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. And we pray the Lord would do it in his timing. The first century church of Jesus Christ teaches us the following, and I want you to hear this and I will be done. Hear this from the Spirit of God to you, brothers and sisters, those who are here and those who are worshiping via the Internet. The Spirit of God wants us to be about this. And it's exactly what was going on in the first century church. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not jealous. That's the point. Love does not boast. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. I'm going to repeat that one. Love does not insist on its own way. Why? Because it's seeking to help. It's seeking to give. It's seeking the other. Love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And for those of you who are tired, you need to hear that. Love endures all things. God will give you the strength to persevere. Yes, he will. Love never fails. In the, in the ESV, it says love never ends, which is true. But I like the NAS in the New King James. Love never fails. Hallelujah. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. 
God, we come to you. God, we confess we, we are always in need of you. And Father, oftentimes we wonder and we thank you for the good shepherd who calls us back. Father, we come to you today knowing that we do live in an odd time. I've never, never experienced anything like this before when uh, an entire society in essence is shut down, not by inclement weather, but by disease. And Father, we pray that um, while numerous tumultuous things are going on in our country, we would be anchored in Christ. We would shine as light in darkness, God, that we would be wise, wise in these days, that we'd be good citizens, good biblical citizens in a land, God, where darkness has influence at various times. God, whether that be our jobs and our homes or our government or whatever, you've called us to be light in such a time as this. And may, God, we be drawn to pray and not be so inwardly focused. Call on you, the God who made everything, to do a great, great work among us. God, I pray you would do a great work of salvation in our country. There are people who sit in darkness who need the light of Christ. I don't make fun of them. I don't put them down. They need Jesus, just like I need Jesus. Father, we pray for this congregation. We thank you for those who've had successful surgeries. We thank you that Carol had a successful surgery, that Alan, Alan had a successful surgery, and we pray, God, that you heal Alan, allow his body to regain its full recovery. We we. We beg you this, Father. We, we ask you to give strength and help and wisdom and courage and power, God, to Cindy and to Rhonda and to Robin. Father, we ask you to heal our sister Cassie. Her situation is not impossible for you. It is incredibly possible, O oh Lord, that you heal this sister. And we beg you that, Lord. Give her strength during these days. We pray, Father, for our sister Lisa, that you would supply her every need. You'd speak sweetly to her heart. Let her know that you are hers. She is yours. We pray, God, for continued. Uh, we thank you for the healing of our brother Ryan. And pray, God, his strength as he perseveres and holds on to you. We pray, Lord, for continued healing for Andrea, for Theodore, for Ted and Grace. For Allison, for Sue, for Susan, for Lyndon, for Lyle, for Ruth, for Anita, for Graceland. We beg you, Lord, to give protection and strength and wisdom and encouragement to those among us working in the healthcare, to Diane, to Trisha, to Pamela, to Nima, to Timmy, to Elena, to Jelaine, to Dr. Michael. We pray for our students, for our parents, for our teachers. God, as kids go back to school. We pray, God, you would do good things. Do good things among them. Allow your name, God, to be known. Your wisdom to go forward. We pray for our missionaries and ask you, God, to give them strength, but also, Lord, that you would give them great, great fruit in this day in the ministries, God, you sent them to do. God, thank you for this day. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen.
Brothers and sisters, I invite you to stand as our brother sings the closing song. I invite you to hum along with him. Let's stand and worship. To rage against the captor And with the sword that makes the wounded whole We will fight with faith and valor When faced with trials on every side We know the outcome is secure And Christ will have the price for which he died An inheritance of nations. Come see the cross where love and mercy meet. As the Son of God is stricken, then see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet. For the conqueror has risen. And as the stone is rolled away, and Christ emerges from the grave, this victory march continues till the day every eye and heart shall see him. Spirit, come, put strength in every stride. Give grace for every hurdle that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of his grace. We hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. few announcements before you are released into the world. 
as we continue with Sunday worship service, we still need ushers and greeters. We still need some ushers and some greeters. So for all of you present and those who are watching, I do think there are a lot of people traveling this uh, Labor Day weekend, we invite you, invite you to come. We are, we still have our mask and our hand sanitizer. We are practicing uh, safe interactions with one another, but we'd love for you to come to greet, love for you to welcome those who've come to worship with us in our service. If you'd like that, to help out with that, please see Jim Rohr or email Jim Rohr at connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, connect at atonementlife.org. There's also going to be a mums collection this next coming Saturday, uh, September the 12th, here at the church. I don't have those times just yet, but we'll make sure that goes out this week in Atonement Life. Mums, you know, stands for Mid-United County uh, Ministries. We love to give because they help a lot of people in our community. So we'd love for you to come to give food um, or clothing. We'd love for you to, to be willing to come and to help support that next Saturday. We invite you to tune in this Wednesday as our music team gives us a time of worship with music, with the scripture, with prayer. That'll be this Wednesday. And that, that's, is that at 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock, yes, 8 o'clock. Also, 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 hear ye, hear ye. On this next Sunday, we shall have the Lord's Supper. Amen. Amen. So for all of those present, 9 o'clock service, 1030 service, we invite you to participate with us in a nice, safe way with the Lord's Supper. And for those who have not been with us, we invite you to come. We invite you to come and to be a part with us with the Lord's Supper. I also invite you to do take time to read Atonement Life. Uh, if you don't get that, just call the church or email Carrie uh, ah, Jacobs, and she will get that. She'll add you to her email blast. Brothers and sisters, hear the good word, the benediction, the good word from the Spirit of God to you, from the God Most High, whose ways are mercy and truth, who leads you to his heavenly throne. May he preserve your life according to his promise, keep you from all harm and watch over your life. Grace and mercy and peace go with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.